You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet uh, After Dark Podcast. Sometimes I get confused. It happens. Don't worry about it. Um, Today we have officially reached the point where we have way too many calls. So kind of a good news, bad news. Good news, I mean, there's a lot of calls. means there's a lot of interest. Bad news, I'm not going to be able to get to everybody's calls all the time. Good news... Now I can be a little bit more selective and maybe leave out a couple calls that don't actually contribute to the show. Bad news, if the show stinks, it's now at least partially my fault. So that stinks. But anyways, with all that out of the way, why don't we get started? Hey, uh, Ryan? Yeah. yeah Scuba Steve here. Hey, man. And um, yeah, I have only one daughter right. and she wanted to call into your show. So here she is. I have a question. Would you, my dad called Scuba Steve, <laughs> and he, would you rather play, I mean, do cats play football or dogs play football? Hmm, cats or dogs playing football. I gotta pick. It's hard not to pick dogs, because I'm, I'm kind of team dog when it comes to cats and dogs, but there's something crazy about cats. Nobody messes with cats. You could have a little 15-pound cat, I don't know how much cats weigh, 10-pound cat, I don't know, little tiny cat. And a 60-pound dog, and that cat will just terrify the dog. Cats can jump. Dogs are a little bit better with catch, and they can run. I think I'm going to go with dogs. You get them motivated enough. I mean, if we're talking like, I, I just, I don't see the cat defensive line being able to hold up, you know? Or offensive line against a defensive line. So I, I, I got to go dogs. All right, we got a new caller. New caller, what's going on? Hey, I just wanted to know what my boy sounds like at one and a half speed. Thanks for all the content. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that made me laugh so much. <laughs> Call in so that you can speed up the podcast and hear what it sounds like. Um, my family used to love to do that, by the way, with uh, with my podcast. They drop it down to like 0.25 speed, and it's like slow and sound like you're drunk or something. And then you go up to like two times, four times, whatever. Sound like a chipmunk. Kids thought it was hilarious. Anyways, thanks for the call. Not sure what to call you, but I see you called in again. So let's see if we can um, see if we can ascertain a name for you. Hey. By hey. the way, like a couple weeks ago, there was uh, somebody that said that they are from California, live in Idaho. Okay. It sucks. First of all, research where you're going to. Idaho is very conservative, very outdoorsy. Don't move somewhere you don't like. I mean, really, just think about it. Uh-huh. You're moving to Idaho. It's outdoorsy. Yep. Not very liberal. Right. And what are your thoughts on something like that <laughs> where somebody moves somewhere, says it sucks? I mean, honestly, move back. I don't care. We're fine with that. Trust me, Idahoans would be appreciative. Thank All right. You. So, 
first things first, we got to come up with a name for you. Did you call in again, or is this all I have to work with? That's it. Okay. So, um, it's got to be something Idaho. I don't want to say, like, potato, like Mr. Potato Head, because that, I feel like, based on the call, you kind of take pride in it, and that might be maybe a little offensive, but I kind of want to go with Mr. Potato. How about this? That's going to be a placeholder. You are right now Mr. Potato Head. You're welcome to call back and be like, no, my name's Steve, you idiot. And I'll be like, oh, my bad. And I'll change it. So we'll go with Mr. Potato Head for now. Um, that, you know, it's not that big of a thing out here. I know there is a little bit of, like, we don't really like all the Chicago traffic up this way because that's just kind of synonymous with crime, you know? In Kenosha, there would be people that would come up from Chicago. And the only time you ever heard about that is when they would come up from Chicago to steal cars, break into houses, things like that. Nobody ever came up to sh- from Chicago to, like, I don't know, see the sights in Kenosha. It was always bad things. But I don't know too much about, like, moving there. It's usually just, you know, short visits, which is a little surprising because there's a massive exodus in Illinois also, but I don't know too much of a, like, keep the Illinoisans out kind of a thing. But I know, or at least I, I get the impression that's, like, a thing out your direction. Um, you know, Texas, not a big fan of all the people flooding in. I believe there was a thing where, was it Washington or Oregon? Like the eastern part was like, we want to join Idaho because we don't like the crazy people that control everything. And so we're just going to go hang out with Idaho. So I know there's like a whole thing out that direction, but I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. I'm not in it, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, general thoughts. If you're leaving to go get a job, then, you know. You, you just, I, I, I guess if you're going, you just got to kind of suck it up. If you're leaving because you're fleeing, in other words, this state is horrible, and I found a state that doesn't have all these horrible things, you got to kind of take the good with the bad, you know? There's maybe not as much to do, it's boring, but you're not like playing hopscotch with hypodermic needles and, and fe- fecal matter on the sidewalks and whatnot. So, you, you know, figure it out. What do you want to do? You want the low taxes, clean streets, and um, boredom? Or can't afford to live there, high crime, but, you know, nice restaurants and stuff. I don't, I don't know. The only thing I don't understand is people that, like, are like, this place is horrible, I'm leaving. And then they go somewhere else and they're like, you know what I think this place needs? To be a lot like the last place I left. <laughs> what? That's the one thing I don't get. But, I mean, if you go somewhere and you're like, this place is boring, then, I, you know, I guess it's boring. I don't know. Probably. Never been to Idaho. I don't know much about it. Never been to California or anywhere really on the West Coast aside from Arizona when I was, like, five. All right, what's next on the docket? Hello, Packernet After Dark. It is I, Thomas Austin. Welcome to the show, me. So, Ryan. You're not Tom. I'm calling in with a... Is this Tom? A (laughs) seven-parter. So, question number one. What do you think questions two through seven are going to be? Hmm. I want you to try and guess. Hmm. So, like, by that I mean, like, predict what they're going to be before I say it. Right. Except I'm not going to say it. (laughs) All right. Um, I know you don't actually want me to answer that because you just want to, you know, kind of jab it at Tom. But I feel like I should try to think of what one of the questions would be. See, I'm I'm so bad at it. That's why I keep complimenting Tom, because it's like, how did your brain even come up with this stuff, dude? I can't even think. This is why I'm so terrible at small talk. It's like, just talk to him. Like, about what? 
then my wife would be like, ask him about this. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. I never would have dawned on me to think of that. Does he have kids? I don't know. How would I know that? Well, ask him. I don't want to ask him that. Who cares? Fine. So, you got kids and stuff? I don't know. Um, what would be a question? He always has those t- twisty, turny questions. Like, I want you to rank the NFC North running backs hairstyles. You know? Like, it's just like, okay, I'll rank the... Oh, oh, the running... running oh, uh, yeah. So, there, you, there, there's one Tom Austin question. We'll leave it at one. And, uh, you know... Well, I figure since we got an anti-Tom uh, call already, we should get to our first Tom call. What's up, Tom? Hello. Hi. This is Thomas Austin. Hello. This call is going to be removed, and probably like the next five. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep calling in, and then I won't call in again for a little bit. Bye. See, Tom, but then they win. Then they win. Also, then they stop paying me to, to you know, cut off your calls. And nobody wants that. We'll check back in with Tom in a little bit. Uh, new caller. What's up, new caller? Hey, how's it going? Hey. Um, this is Keith from, Wisconsin, or, uh, from Alaska, out of Wisconsin. I called you before. Got at the barbecue place up here. Hey-o. But I'm wondering uh, uh, a question here. Wide receiver development. How much of the issue of wide receiver development has to do with a wide receiver coming out of college having to learn to put two feet in bounds? compared to having only had to put one foot in bounds in college. I, I really think that's a big part of the the wide receiver development that nobody really talks about because wide receivers in college, I mean, honestly, if you only got to touch one toe, it's not a two-toe tap. That's, that's huge. So I'd like to know what you think about that. Good talking to you. So first of all, Steve, sorry I didn't uh, save your your name here. That's a big my bad. You know, I've, I've actually always thought about that. Every time I watch college players really try to get that one foot down, I just think how ingrained that is in their head. And then they come into the NFL and they got to just completely unlearn that. The same with like when you go down and nobody touches you and you're down. And in the NFL, you got to get up and run. At least I still think, I think that's still a thing in college. I don't know. I know it used to be. Don't really watch college football much. But the crazy thing is I've never really, I mean, I, I remember one time distinctly, and this is a very long time ago. But there was a guy who was a rookie. He caught a pass. He went down, and um, I don't remember exactly what happened. But I think I think he just sat there, or you know, he got up and started just walking to the sideline, or what. I don't think he like flipped the football. That would have been hilarious. But only one time do I really really remember that being a problem. I can't remember once a like college football player getting one foot down and being like, "Oh shoot, I forgot there's got to be two. So I agree with you that that's a scary thing. But I'm, I'm actually just shocked that I don't see more of those issues. I mean, I don't watch every single game, but as much, as, it, as much time as it takes to get these guys to do anything, to learn anything, you would think unlearning core things that you've been doing for four or five years in college football would be kind of hard to get out of your head, but I don't know. Um, all right, trying to get as many people as we can in before we get to second caller. So uh, let's see what Mike's all, let's see what he's all about. Hi, Fact Daddy. Hey. Packer super fan. Uh, Fact Daddy, I, one of the things I've always really enjoyed about your podcast and, and about you and how you how you look at things is the fact that you do use data and information. And, uh, you know, I know you use PFF a lot. I, I actually look at I – I have a description of PFF as well and love to look at the, the, the data. And I, you know, this morning you talked a little bit about – 
you know, the fact that, you know, rather than just look at the players, look at the data and what their, you know, past history has been as far as pass rushing the NFC North. I love that, that how, you, how you went through that. I guess what I'd like you to do is maybe take a look at Sammy Watkins for me. Okay. I mean, as you know, I've called in before and expressed my, my uh, concern about Sammy Watkins just being um, gifted the starting wide receiver role in Green Bay. I just don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I get it. He's a veteran, all these things. But when you look at his past history between his injuries and, and just non-productive seasons, I just don't don't understand the fact that, that they're going this direction. Um, you know, you take a look at a guy like last year with uh, with uh, Devin Funches, again, another example of a veteran guy that they brought in. Um, you know, they, they used him throughout the preseason. He played in every game. They basically made him earn a spot on the, on the roster. And then, of course, he got hurt right towards the end of the preseason, and then they released him right away. So, I just don't get this Sammy Watkins thing where they just basically hand him the starting wide receiver role in Green Bay. I think it's insane. And I guess I'd just like you to maybe use the data. Go back and look at the data. Um, maybe even look at, you know, who he played with on the teams that he's played with. And, and uh, you know, what can we expect from him? I mean, I again, I, I expect absolutely nothing. I think if we get anything from the guy at all, it's going to be pure gravy. And um, I just don't understand what they're doing there. I think we've got a bunch of young guys that have a lot brighter future. I just don't know why we're spending time, wasting time on Sammy Watson. Can't wait to hear your response. Thanks back, Danny. Yeah, so kind of a lot of things. Uh, Devin, right before you said Devin Funches, that came immediately to mind as you were talking. Because I was trying to think if... There was another example of them kind of just handing somebody a job. And, and my recollection was they did kind of hand him the job, but maybe they had him fight for it. But um, the point of that, though, would be, you know, if they're going to go out and invest in a veteran, I think it's with the expectation that it's going to fill a hole, you know, like with Randall Cobb. I think if we gave, well, maybe, maybe that's not the case with Amari, but I don't really know that Amari Rogers was given a very real opportunity to win that job. I think they went out and got Randall Cobb and that was it. It was done. And I kind of think they're doing that with Sammy Watkins. And, and I, I sort of feel like they did that with Funches, but maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't really remember there being a very strong competition, although he didn't really play that much. But then again, he was injured, so it's kind of hard to tell exactly what the, the whole situation was there. And, and you've already got Devontae, so it was a different kind of dynamic as far as what role he was meant to come in and fill. But Whatever it was, I feel like that's the job he had, whether he was coming in to be wide receiver three or whatever. Um, that's just kind of what he was. But yeah, I think I think a lot of people looked at this and said, okay, we're going to bring him in and we're going to try him out just like anybody else. And that really wasn't what the Packers are doing. They, they treated it like Randall Cobb. We're paying you to take that spot right there. And that's it. And um, it's a little bit odd. I'm trying to think through all the different variables here. And I, you know, I, I think the fact that there are rookies is a big part of it. They don't want to you know, even if Dobbs and Christian Watson were to perform at a really high level, I think they would rather have a veteran with his ability. And maybe that's stupid. I don't know. But here, here's the other point about this. I think this is one of the negatives of going and getting a veteran, period. Whether it's a guy that you don't like, like Sammy Watkins, or a guy that you do like, whoever that would be, Julio or whatever. Um, they end up just taking a job from a guy that, that, that really needs it. Um, I think Christian Watson 
needs it. I think Romeo Dobbs needs it. They might not be the most ready in the world, and I sure, certainly wouldn't want an offense that was just Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Amari Rodgers. As talented as they are, you'd like to have some veterans, but we've got Lazard, we've got Randall Cobb, um, you know, Amari's on year two. We got Jawan Winfrey if we need, to, you know, that extra depth of a, of a guy that understands the offense. But you'd like the, these two guys to get as many opportunities as possible so that you can accelerate their development. It's kind of like what I said about Rashawn Gary. He didn't quote-unquote break out until year three, but if you look at T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt, they broke out in year two, so it's kind of like a year difference, but it was the exact same amount of snap counts. So if you measure it by snaps, they had the exact same breakout. If you measure the years, Rashawn was year three, and the reason is because the Packers buried him under veterans that they went and got. And once they went and got Zadarius and Preston, that was it. Rashawn did not have a job. I mean, he he was, you know, number three or number four or whatever, but I don't think he was ever four, but that's just the way it is. And I'm not saying every team does that. I think a lot of teams are happy to throw their rookies right in there. Um, And I think there's a lot of, certainly a lot of merit to that. And um, I guess what I'm stuck on is, should we view this through the lens of this is telling us that they really have high regard for Sammy Watkins? Or is it just a procedural thing where they say, we bring along rookies very slowly. These are four, five, six, you know, year investments. We're not really worried as much about rookie impact. So we're trying to build a roster for today and fill some holes. And we don't want it filled by a rookie. So plop, here you go, Sammy Watkins. If it's the first one where he won the job because we're all just massively underestimating the guy and he's going to be a star, then great. But I'm worried that it's the second one. So, okay, I'll indulge, even though I don't usually like to do this too much, but let's take a little cursory look at Sammy Watkins and just See if there's anything to kind of help us answer that question, I guess. So, I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on the injuries because I think that's a separate question. If the guy is an elite football player, and I'm not saying he is, but let's just hypothetical. If the guy's an elite football player that also has injury issues, you still put him as a lock on the roster. You lock him in to the number one, number two spot, whatever, and if and when he gets hurt, fine, then you, then you figure it out from there. But it's not really a matter of competing for a roster spot. Because the rookie is not going to beat this guy. He's he's a freak. You know, if it was Devontae Adams, and let's just say the guy only played about a half a year, a half, you know, a half a year per year, I guess, he's still your number one wide receiver the next year. You know what I mean? So the injuries are a separate equation for me. That, you know, that may go to the validity of getting him at all. But in terms of him winning a spot on the roster, he's healthy. That has no, no bearing right now. So really, it just comes down to skill level, I guess. Um... A couple things, I guess, to I mean, there's there's general stats and grades. Grades have not been great the last two years, but those are obviously injury years. The last year he played more or less a full year was 2019, and his grade was much higher. But it was also the last two years, so that kind of makes you nervous, both, both in terms of he's been injured the last two years and the fact that his grades have not been super fantastic. He's also his uh, drop grades were significantly worse. I don't know what that's about. Um, the only real bad drop grade he's ever had was in 2021, which might be a Sammy thing, but it also could be the Baltimore quarterbacks thing. I don't know why. I'm just saying, you know, maybe different quarterback, different spin on the ball, more drops. I don't know. But in terms of production last year, the touchdowns weren't great, but on a, on a game-to-game basis, week one, 96 yards, seven targets, four receptions, 96 yards. That's some pretty big, you know, big boy stuff. And I think even more interesting is to not just look at him in a vacuum, but compare him to the rest of the wide receivers. So if you look at all the wide receivers in week one, Sammy Watkins was the number one wide receiver by in terms of yards. Uh, Hollywood Brown had 69 yards and a touchdown. Sammy Watkins was the second highest graded receiver by, you know, 
a very slim margin, 77 overall compared to 75 overall. Week two, again, not nearly as impressive. He ended up being sort of that number three guy. Hollywood Brown had a really big game, 113 yards and one touchdown. Mark Andrews, who was, I think, the highest graded uh, tight end in the entire NFL, 57 yards, and then Sammy, 44 yards. So he was effectively the, the number two on a team that, you know, had one guy that blew up. And by the way, that's going to happen in Green Bay, too. We've seen that before where, you know, there'd be that one game where MVS has 102 yards and a touchdown, and then there's another game where Lazard blows up or whatever. Everybody's going to kind of take turns. Speaking of taking turns, week three, Mark Andrews' turn. Five receptions, 109 yards. Sammy Watkins was second, ahead of Hollywood Brown, 68 yards. Six targets, four receptions, 68 yards. Hollywood Brown, three receptions, 53 yards. So again, just comparing him to the rest of the guys, he's, I guess, top two. He's not Devontae Adams, where he's getting all the targets. He's not getting 100 yards every single week. But he's had, of three weeks, two really good weeks. He's not even considered the number one wide receiver. Hollywood Brown is. And the number, well, the number one receiver is Mark Andrews. The number one wide receiver is Hollywood Brown. So functioning as the number two wide receiver and the number three receiver on the team, I think he's doing a fairly decent job. He also had a 72 overall grade in this game. Week four, another Hollywood Brown week, 91 yards and a touchdown. He also had James Proche get in the mix here as the slot receiver with 74 yards. Andrews with 67. Uh, Sammy Watkins, 49. But still four receptions for 49 yards and basically a 70 overall grade. So it's a great piece to have. He's still got four receptions for your team. Three of those receptions, by the way, moved the sticks, which actually, you know what? I'm curious if that's a thing with him. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I am curious because he's crushing that right now in, um, in training camp. That is like his thing. And, and, you know, clutch situations, red zone, two minute drill, third down, fourth down, Sammy's been the guy. And so in Baltimore, seeing the guy catch four passes, three of them were first downs. The week before he caught four passes, two of them were first downs. Again, 50% the week before. So, I, I, and, and you got to remember, this is technically a down year for Sammy Watkins. I don't think we went out and got a Devontae Adams, but I don't think he's coming in to be a Devontae Adams. We saw him in Baltimore function as a quality member of a well-rounded offense. He, will, he was the number two receiver, which is what he's technically going to be here. And you're going to see games where he gets 100 yards and games where he gets 40 yards and games where he gets 60 yards. And, you know, I mean, if you compare that to Alan Lazard, who was our number two last year, Lazard had 16 yards on two receptions in week one. In week two, Lazard, did he even play? He didn't, so he must have been injured. Week three, he was the third uh, receiver with one reception for 42 yards. Week four, Lazard was number four, two receptions for 33 yards. So just looking at the start of the season, I guess, I think Sammy Watkins was significantly more productive and, you know, a bigger part of the Baltimore offense than Lazard was our offense. So if you wanted me to talk you into, he's a legit elite, you know, wide receiver that's going to live up to that building that he was drafted for, I don't think I can do that. But can I tell you that if he can stay healthy, he can be a genuine wide receiver that contributes to an offense? Of course. In the same way and possibly even more so than what we got from Lazard last year. As a number two, he'll be a better number two than Lazard was, which might put him on an evil plane, even plane with uh, number one Lazard. I don't know. We'll see. But that's the whole point of this offense. There's no superstars. It's not going to be Sammy Watkins, probably not going to be Lazard, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Randall Cobb, Mari Rogers, 
It's going to be distributed around, and I think Sammy Watkins can play a, a really strong role in that. And I think that's what you get. And yeah, you probably could have got that with several other guys, and that's fine. We got it with this guy, and we paid him very little money to be that guy. But at least we know we get it. We don't know we get it in Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. I think that was the point. I might take a more of a look at another time, but again, I don't want to spend too much time. Um, skipping a lot of calls today. <laughs> a lot of them are Tom Austin with no actual thing to say, which kudos to him because there's nothing really to, to kick off. Uh, a lot of Joe. Joe, just for the record, I'm listening to all the calls. I'm hearing everything you're saying. I don't think I'm going to play it, though. And feel free to call in and, you know, thoughts, opinions, questions. Think in terms of content. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to do anyways. But uh, let's see what Blake's dad's got to say. So, Brian, this What's is up? Blake's dad. Um, set a hypothetical question for you. Mm-hmm. Say all three of these guys are healthy, okay, yeah. going, going into the offseason. You have to cut one. Who are you cutting? Okay. Bakhtiari, Amos, or Clark? Let's say it was uh, salary cap implications. You had to cut one of them. Um, and then I was wondering if you watched. All right, hold up. Oh, geez. I mean, if we're just going based on how good they are and how beneficial they are, you got to cut Amos, which kills me because that's that's my guy. It does, it does leave a, a major hole, especially if Savage can't really step up because I, I think we can, well, I know we can survive without Bakhtiari because we have for what feels like seven years. Um, and Clark, again, this is similar. The defensive tackles are, are doing a good job. I, I think Bakhtiari honestly might be the answer. The, 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 it's not Kenny Clark. He's too young. He's too talented. He's too, he's too central to what this defense is. The, the, the case for Amos would be, you know, least valuable, and the fact that he's probably out the door soon anyways. The case against Bakhtiari, the dude's hurt, he can't stay healthy. He's also close to being out the door, and we've already got guys. They're not as good as David Bakhtiari, but we're kind of already filling that, that spot. We've taken so many swings, somebody will figure it out, and if they can't, well, guess what? We're going to draft three or four more next year, and somebody will, somebody will make it work, but we can hobble it together. So I, I, I don't think I can make a decision. I really want to say Bakhtiari, but then I'm going to feel stupid because it's going to be, I'm going to cut Bakhtiari and then the Packers are going to move on from Amos next year. So it's like, well, what was the point of that? We could have had Bakhtiari this year instead of having neither. So I guess Amos is the right decision. I just, I hate it. I feel like it destroys the whole defense. Suddenly there's this massive hole at safety and um, we we just really struggle. So I uh, hate that question, Blake's dad. <laughs> You're Making my whole, my soul hurt. Uh, what was your next question? The Manti Teo thing on Netflix. I have not watched it yet. There's two episodes, and I think each of them are like an hour, so it's kind of a long time to watch something that's kind of dumb. Yeah. But I'm a little interested in it. Wondering if you watched it, and if you did, you recommend it. All right, later. I didn't know it was a thing. I, I think I saw like on Twitter, Monte Teo on the side there. Uh, you know, the whatever. Um, what What is it about? I don't know anything interesting about the guy, except he was like a really highly touted player. And then there was something involving like him getting catfished or something. But uh, I, even then, I thought it was so stupid. I never even le- decided to learn why anybody. I, I don't know what happened because I, I, I didn't care enough. So I, let, me, let me just look it up and find out what it's about. Let's see. First article, Sports Illustrated. Netflix's new Monte... Ma- why... 
It's been so long, I don't even remember how to say his name. Monte Teo? It was such a, like, everybody, it was such a household name for such a long time, apparently, I forgot. Uh, I posted the trailer, ba ba ba. The inside look at the shocking 2013 reveal that Monte Teo's dead girlfriend never existed takes you on a journey that covers all the bases. How the catfish happened, why it happened, how it got exposed, how the scandals hurt Teo's career, the toll that it took on Teo, on and off the field, and so much more. Dead girlfriend never existed. I, 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 I know I'm the only person on planet Earth that doesn't know this story, but what the heck does that even mean? I don't want to be mean about it, because I, I can't tell if somebody actually died, or if that whole thing was fake, or what. I don't know, man. This is going to have to be another one of those things where I tell people to call in and tell me if it's any good. And I'm going to get a bunch of people telling me to watch it, and I'm still not going to watch it, just like with Mission Impossible and pretty much every other recommendation. Although, Jacob, I did watch uh, whatchamacallit, so I took that advice. There's only so much time in a day, you know? Been watching uh, The Crudes for the 500th time because my uh, youngest is obsessed with it, and she was tired. Mom wasn't here to help, so it's like, all right, let's watch Crudes for the 500th time. And she dug it. And then at night, it's time to watch Lost with the wife, so, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what this is about. I have not seen it. I can't recommend it. Um, it doesn't sound super interesting. I don't mean to see sound mean. I'm sure it's a compelling story of a really heart-wrenching thing that happened. But again, the guy didn't really even have a good NFL career. I know they're telling that story, but it, it, he's not an interesting figure to me. You know? I mean, he was interesting when he was in college. He came into the NFL. There was a weird thing that happened. And then he kept playing, and he wasn't very good. And I stopped caring about Monte Teo in like 2014, so it was 2022, it was a long time ago. Wait a minute, Tuiasa Sopo, wasn't that a football player? Or is that just a coincidence? I'm just reading in here, the person that did it, Naya Tuiasa Sopo, I was like, how do you pronounce that? And then as soon as it, I said it out loud, I was like, dude, that's a football, I've heard that name before. Anyways, I'm, I'm gonna, we'll get off this, I don't know what's going on, I'm so confused. Now there's a Naya Tuiasa Sopo who recently transitioned, I don't know, I, I gotta get out of here, I don't know what, I'm so lost right now. Um, I don't think we can take a break. Never mind. <laughs> I can't leave it at that. I can't go to Bruce, although I do appreciate Bruce calling, but uh, Bruce thought he was calling in for JJ and gave him fatherly advice, so that's that's not helpful. JJ put the phone number out on Twitter, and some people thought that it was his phone number, I guess, so I was going to play it anyways, but it's like it's just about like you know him being a new dad, so it feels weird being like, I'm going to steal this anyways. But anyways, JJ, Bruce wants to talk to you about being a dad. Speaking of people calling for JJ, um, here is, unfortunately, another one. Hey, JJ, it's Aaron Alice. Um, I was just returning your call. Never heard of him. I just wanted to let you know I totally agree that Pack Daddy is terrible and awful, and he smells really bad. (laughs) Um, Really, truly the worst kind of human being. So um, just wanted to return my call Mm -hmm. to you, JJ, to let you know that. All right, thanks. Bye. Yeah, so JJ, uh, Aaron also needs to talk to you about something urgently. Um, we got one more call for JJ real quick. Uh, Fractured Badger called. He wants to uh, tell you something. Here he is. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I've been sitting here crying tears for, uh, literally crying for, I don't know, at least 30 seconds. There's more to that call, obviously, but why would I play it? Why would I do that? The no context taking that. So, uh, JJ, Fractured Badger would like you to uh, call. He wants to tell you that very important thing. So, uh, you got a lot of a lot of people want to talk to you, man. Just make sure, you, make sure you're doing okay. Um, 
<laughs> oh, it's the little things in life, man. Um, why don't why don't we take a break here? Um, man, oh man, I I borderline feel bad because he has no idea he's calling me and not JJ, but. I think he'll forgive me. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. Little as a buck a month. That's it. That's so simple. And it would just bring joy to millions around the world. Maybe. I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. It's unlikely, but it's, it's not impossible. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Anyways, let's check in with Tom, see how he's doing. Unless a couple of these actually make it through, mm-hmm. which would be surprising. Eh, I don't know. All right, but Tom's awesome again. All right, bye. All right, so uh, yeah, good to hear from you, Tom. Glad you're glad you're doing all right. Steve's got a third question. Let's see what's up with Steve in Alaska. Hey, Stephen Alaska, one last time. All right. Just to go back on the uh, first call that I made, so everybody understands, going beyond Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, Don Markowski, though he didn't play for us very long, he did come in second place in the MVP voting to Joe Montana one year. And then if you go beyond him, we had Lynn Dickey, who – I personally met, which is one of the Packer players that I've met in my life that I thought was really awesome. There you go. We had Lynn Dickey, who, beyond his injury issues, scored the most points in Monday Night Football history all up until six or seven years ago. I'm not positive on that, but it's right about that time period. We've had a lot of great quarterbacks. So, again, I like to tell the Packer fans out there in the world, we do well with getting quarterbacks. Don't get too panicked. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, I appreciate it. I'm, I don't. I don't remember the context, but that's fine. I don't think it matters. Everybody else does. I'm the only one that doesn't. So I don't need to know what's going on in my show. As long as the people listening know that that will be sufficient. I think. Obviously, that's in relation to uh, Jordan Love. I would assume, or at least us getting one eventually. I had one thought, and I'm just going to say it now because it just dawned on me. Justin Fields, that's right, I almost made it a whole podcast without going through a Justin Fields thing. Um, I thought he actually played okay, but I went and looked at, and you can find it on my Twitter if you want to go see it, I retweeted it. Somebody did, I think it's a PFF guy, did a a breakdown of Justin Fields and what he looked like, and um, he didn't necessarily agree, he thought he looked quite poor. 
But really, the, the, it was kind of nitpicky. And by the way, PFF in general didn't really grade him out very well. He graded out lower than Jordan Love. Ha ha. But if you look at it, a lot of it was just really off-target throws. You know, like you've got Cole Komet coming across the field, and if you could just throw it out in front of him, he can take it and run and probably get 10 more yards. But he not only has to stop, he has to stop and reach back in his back pocket to get the football. It's bad placement. And I think really the only difference is Jordan Love played for a a lot longer, and uh, some of those turned into very negative plays. That really isn't Justin Fields' fault, Jordan Love's fault. I don't know why the two names cross in my brain. Makes me sad. But the point is, I think Justin Fields was rewarded. He he had some off-target passes, but his guys caught it, and they took off, and they they made Justin Fields look like a star. Justin Fields had some marginally off-target passes, and the guys dropped them and the defense, you know, it flopped in the air, flip a coin, sometimes fluke stuff happens right into the defense's arms. Now that's not to say Jordan Love had the greatest day in the world. I don't think he did, but that is to say that I'm watching Justin Fields and saying, I think he looks decent. He's got command of the offense and he's he's despite all the times you look at him and go, oh we almost got him and oh he almost dropped the pass. They still consistently move the ball down the field. And that's the one thing I don't want them to be able to do is to overcome that and keep marching down the field. But they still did it. And, and the point is, I think the Packers can do the same thing. First of all, I think Jordan Love can have a better day, a little bit better accuracy. That was, again, my biggest thing with him in college. I, I, some of his passes were so unbelievably pinpoint, it was just beautiful. I know he has that ability. And maybe it's just the fact that they entirely reworked his whole footwork and everything. I don't know. But I'm excited to be able to watch him. I, I might uh, eat my words because this is going to be released after the game. But I think if the players can do a better job of holding onto the ball, and, you know, if the passes could be slightly more on target, I think the offense can really take command and take control. Maybe not necessarily, I don't know if they're going to be playing their starters a ton, but um, maybe not against the starters so much, but against the backups, which should be 90% of his, his snaps, I think, I think they could have a good day. Just a random thought. Um, did we play JJ's first one? I think we did. It was just him ripping on Tom, right? Let's get to JJ again. By the time you answer this, Certainly by the time people listen to it, uh, we may have already had uh, updates from the Saints preseason game regarding our long snapper. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on Jack Coco at this point. You know, uh, Steve Wardell really was uh, struggling a lot, and it was, was a no-brainer that they cut him. But I've heard... A lot of people just being down on Jack Coco, and I'm not 100% sure where that comes from. I remember Rob Domofsky had a tweet saying when we had both guys on the roster that the snapping looked really rough. But outside of that, I haven't noticed any updates about Coco being a problem. So am I just missing stuff? Let me know uh, what you have seen that makes you know, sense to be concerned about Jack Coco as the long snapper. Yeah, I, I more or less agree, just in terms of I haven't really heard much. I, I know the one you're referring to. There might have been another one where it, it just something to the effect of things are not going well. There was also a, a quote that I should probably dig up, or if anybody wants to do that for me, that would be fantastic, because I'm going to forget. So if you find it, that's great. But I just saw the quote. I didn't hear it, and that makes a big difference. But um, Or, you know, the fact that it was probably asked. But... There was some kind of comment made, I believe, by Brian Gutekunst that um, they could they could go out and find another long snapper if needed. And, and, and maybe that was just the question, 
you know, if the question is, hey, we're kind of short on time, if you needed a long snapper, do you think you can go get one? And he's like, yeah, we have time, we're fine. That wouldn't necessarily mean anything, but it just kind of surprised me that there was a, a quote out there from Brian Gutekunst about, you know, we got time to go find another long snapper if we need to. I was like, oh, dang, what's uh, what's going on? So I, I don't know. I, I My general vibes on Jack Coco are that things are not great, but it's probably just the same thing that you're experiencing where you're sensing that, but you don't know where it's coming from. And I don't either. I haven't heard anything in terms of like during those missed field goals, there was a, a bad snap. And I feel like we heard that all the time last year, high snap, low snap, all these constant. I don't remember hearing that really at all, other than, you know, just general things about the, the snapping is not going well or whatever, but I didn't see it in the game. I don't remember hearing any missed, like I said, missed anything. Uh, no, no balls sailing over the punter's head or anything like that. So um, I, the only thing I have is his PFF grade, which was a 63.6, which is actually quite good because uh, Mr. Wirtel was perennially or per weekly, whatever that phrase is, at the bottom in like the 20s and 30s. I don't know how they grade long snappers, but they didn't like him at all. I'm sure some of that has to do with what he does after he snaps it, but still, I mean, it it's, seems to be decent. I, I, I get the impression Coco is what I and most Packer fans are asking for. Just don't suck. You don't need to be an elite player. Just don't snap it over the guy's head. Don't burn it into the ground. Just get it to him in, in a decent enough fashion that we can make the operation work. And no, I, I haven't heard anything specific about um, him not working out. I don't know, but we'll, we'll maybe, like you said, maybe we'll get more answers on that today. Hopefully not, because if you notice them, that's because something's going wrong. JJ had another one here. All right, Ryan, it's that time of year again. we got to go through the Vikings roster okay right. a lot has been said about the bears yep. and the lions we're not talking much about the vikings and part of it is because you know they might be sneaky good so go through the roster and um, tell me where you really think they stack up um how big of a threat are the vikings this year um all right i i think like most teams there's kind of like a range you know not only because there's you know, i mean there's so many variables so many people left, and then on top of that, you got the new coaches, coaches, you know, the the scheme changes, the the new philosophies, the new that you know, the offense is going to be passing more, they're going to be spreading out more, they're going to be doing more three wide, five wide, whatever. When they never used to do that before, you've got guys getting older and declining. You got guys taking second and third year leaps. So there's there's just so much going on on every roster. It's hard to be super definitive. Although I do that all the time, just usually when I'm just trolling, which I do a lot, especially with the Bears. Um, I just like to see them throw a temper tantrum. So when you're very like exact, like you suck and will always suck, they get so, obviously that's not a serious statement, but it's funny and they get so mad about it and rightly so. But you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. Um, what, what do we know about them? Not, not a bunch, man. Um, you know, what, one of the things I know about Kirk Cousins is that he thrives in the system that they had previously. You know, again, when you look at like play action passing, passing built off of the run game, which is what they used to be. He was the number one quarterback in football. Now, he's not a bad quarterback without it. If you look at no play action, he's still ranked like, I don't know, ninth or something. But you're kind of moving away from the thing he does best. So I generally think there's going to be a slight decline with Kirk Cousins. Could be way off on that. I think Justin Jefferson is is a freak. I think he stays a freak. Um, Thielen, I think there's generally been a decline with him. Um, and I expect that kind of to continue. He's very similar to Harrison Smith, the safety. Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen are basically the same guy. They're getting old 
and they go through this like elite good, elite good, elite good kind of thing. But they're 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 just getting older, and the, it's a very slow, gradual decline. But it's there. So I know the the offensive line is decent. It's not good, but it's decent. I, I did see. I think it was Bosa against Derisaw, and he just completely embarrassed the guy. And granted, it's Bosa. Bosa will do that to a lot of people. He's done it to the Packers before. But that's one of your better players, I think, in Derisaw. O'Neal on the other side. The interior is a bit of an issue. So it's it's a it's a mediocre offensive line. Um, you know, if we're talking full strength offensive lines, they're probably third. So I really believe the strength of the offense is their passing game, and they're trying to take Cook from being a really good runner into getting involved in the passing game. And I'm not saying he can't do it, but I just think you're getting away from a, a core piece of what you did and your identity. And and the issue with that always, and you know, every fan base wants to pretend like, oh, well, it's going to be even better. Everybody that you drafted or brought in as a free agent was brought in for the purpose of running the old system. That's not to say they can't run the new system, but it's not great. And usually there's a lot of overturn and overhaul for that exact reason. And so you've got guys like Cook, who are great running back, although they're completely broke down and was ranked 42nd last year, but generally very good. And you're like, hey, how about you don't run as much and we throw it to you more? You know, Cousins, who works really good under center and play action, hey, we're going to put you in the shotgun and spread, you know, the wide receivers out more. Okay. So it's hard to say. I mean, who they, they could be the greatest show on turf and just sling the ball all over and, you know, he gets over 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns this year, or it just, it doesn't work as well. Um... Defense is also really hard to project. I don't know what you get from Zadarius. That's kind of a big factor. The interior guys are good run defenders. They're not really super great pass rushers. Daniil is, but again, there's the whole stand-up outside linebacker thing. I don't know how he's going to handle that. Well, when we do that, we're going to kick him inside. Okay, how's he going to handle that? So is there going to be a decline from Daniil? Are we going to see a, a lesser version of Zadarius? Patrick Peterson has not been a good football player since 2018, so I'm just generally not concerned about him, even though Vikings fans are convinced he's great. I don't really care for their linebackers. I think they've got some decent safety. So I I think they're, you know, you mentioned sneaky good. It really just depends. But I I think this is always the Vikings. The Vikings are always a team where if they can hit their peak, they're going to be scary. But they never really do. Or very rarely do they kind of hit their their peak. I think the one there was one year where like the offense and defense was really just cooking. But they had, I mean, this was back in like the Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin days when those guys were at their peak. And they had guys, I forget who it was, on the interior that were also just extremely scary. You had Kendricks and Barr flying around. You had Harrison Smith. You had like three top-tier safeties at the time. This isn't that. And so I, I still think, yeah, if, if, if they're at their best, I think they're a good football team. But there's a lot of reasons why this thing can turn south. I'd be worried about Cook. I'd be worried about Irv Smith. I'd be worried about the offensive line, especially the interior. I'd be worried about regression from Cousins. Be worried about regression from Thielen. I'd be worried about a major emphasis of your, you're, you're going to be turning your emphasis toward KJ Osborne, which maybe you like the guy, maybe you don't, I don't know. But he's going to play a bigger role. He ranked 76th last year. You've got a complete shift of your defense, which every single player on this defense, for the most part, aside from maybe two guys, Phillips and Smith, who were brought in, were on this defense to run a completely different scheme. Again, Peterson's getting older. Cam Dantzler is fine as a corner. He's not an elite corner, but he's he's pretty good. Harrison's getting older. You got two rookies, but they're rookies. I don't, you know, the same thing I was talking to a Bears fan about, like, oh, we got rookies is going to change things. It's like, they're rookies, dude. They're going to play like rookies. A good year is an average year. So I'm not overly concerned about the Vikings. I just think they've got too much to overcome right now. And I think we've seen better versions preseason of the Vikings that never materialized. 
for me to worry about a team that's still just trying to figure this out. They, they have to learn these new systems offensively and defensively. They have to relearn everything with the old staff or with, with the old uh, the old players as in terms of biologically old as well as old system type players. So it's, it's the first year of a rebuild and, and half of these guys are about to get cut and replaced and they don't even know it yet because they don't fit. So I'm not worried yet, but they, they certainly, at the very least, they're a team that can just beat the Packers, you know, on a, on a good day. And that's going to suck, but whatever. Uh, who else have we not heard from today? I think I skipped all of Justin so far. Let's see if he's got anything. Here we go. Uh, Justin's on the line. What's going on, man? Hey, Ryan. Justin. Um, JJ called in um, not that long ago about the third string quarterback and how useless that was. So that got me thinking, is there other positions, in your opinion, that were, that are three deep that don't need to be? And also, I'm not sure how it works on, like, team structure. Maybe you know, maybe you don't in Packers, but um, is, that, is there any, like, rules or criteria from the NFL that dictates any, any of your depth chart, or is that strictly a, a team decision? Thanks. Bye. So I think QB3 is generally useless, but they also generally don't carry a third quarterback. I think if you do, it's useless. Um, but usually that person is going to end up either on the practice squad or, or something else. So um, you don't usually, again, carry that uselessness along with you. So with that said, I don't really think there's there's all any dead weight that gets brought into the season either. If, if anything, they are sort of understaffed, if you will. Um, there There might be certain people that are on the roster that you look at and go, if, if we ever get to that point, we're in trouble. But I, I just, I don't think there's a parallel. In fact, I don't know that there's a parallel to the backup quarterback, even the number two. Now you have to carry him because, you know, if your quarterback goes down, somebody's got to step in. But I, at least half the, the teams in the league, probably all but like one or two, are just, their season's done. If the quarterback is out, the season is completely toast, if not all 32 teams. So it's, it, it is a very unique thing to be the backup to that guy. All right, I think we got a new caller, unless I forgot to save it. What's going on, man? Hello, Mr. Ryan. How you doing? Hey. This is uh, OG Boomer. OG I'm the guy from Germany All right. that wrote in uh, my number on your uh, initial callback list back a few weeks ago, and you did it. I think you only did it once. But, yeah, that's me. Anyway, I'm sorry the number didn't work, but I think maybe your provider doesn't have you set up for international dialing. Yeah, probably. Maybe get with JJ on that. He's pretty good. He's smart. Uh, hey, man, I'm following the drama. I like it. Yeah. Um, not too clear about some of the stuff going on in that farm with Denise and all that, but we'll leave that better left unsaid. <laughs> but yeah, but as far as your, uh, you know, your little clicks building around here, my money's on Clayton. Yeah, I think he's he's an invisible agitator in this whole thing. Oh boy, here we go. You might want to put like a PI on him. You know, I see what you're eye. saying. Um, yeah, but behind hey, all, the scenes, stirring it right. up. I hope Tom gets better. I I don't know what's going on there, but man, I've been there in my young days, and it ain't pretty. Yeah. Um, anyway, here's my question: Are the Packers corners big enough to tackle the big tight ends and running backs over the middle, or are the safeties? tough enough because i'm thinking you know our linebackers as soon as they see that let's say play action or something like that they're they're running they're going for the kill i mean who knows if a tight end slips through and here he is and then you've got who hopefully the safeties will be able to cover that don't you think what do you think about that as far as having our corners being so 
because the big hype now I'm hearing is, hey, look at their secondary. Holy cow. Look at their right. front line. Holy cow. Well, that's secondary as far as the, the three-corner guys. They're not very big. I mean, you might see matchups where they're going to have to tackle Mark Andrews all on their own. You know, I don't like that. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts? And uh, keep up the great show. I love it. Cheers from Germany. Thanks, OG Boomer. Um, I, I think that's really the biggest benefit of a great tight end, and it's why teams that have them are so unstoppable, and it's kind of weird that more teams don't try to invest in that, although, as you can see, very few exist. There's like four out there. So I guess you can draft all you want, but when there's like a 1% hit rate, <laughs> I understand not wanting to pull the trigger too often. So, I mean, the the complication is a, a really good tight end is too big for your corners and, and probably your safeties and too fast for your linebackers. That's just, that's a problem. You know, a, a big safety is what, 220 pounds? So even some of the lighter tight ends are probably at least 10 pounds, if not 20 pounds, still bigger. Um, I will say, I think that's going to be a big benefit of Razul Douglas. He's not your typical slot guy. One of the concerns is you get some of the smaller, shiftier slot guys. I don't know if he can keep up, but at 6'2", 210 pounds, he's one of the bigger corners, period, much less bigger slot guys. So you get the the tight ends going into the slot, and Razul's going to have a little bit of a better time um, kind of being able to hang with him. You know, I mean, he, he's not exactly, you know, he's not 6'5", and he's not 240, but at 6'2", 210, he's going to be pretty big, and, he, and he's got the speed to run with him. 4.59 is is pretty freaking fast tight end speed. So I, I think that's a massive asset of Razul Douglas, specifically is the slot tight end position. Additionally, I think Quay Walker factors into that quite a bit. You know, we saw Darnell Savage get kind of wrecked there, but I, 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 and I don't know, this is more of a Sam Holman question, how this all comes together. And I, I actually probably should ask him a little bit about that, but it is another factor. Rather than having that, that safety in that spot as, as sort of that number three safety, number two linebacker, you've, you've got a guy who, I mean, if he was an offensive player, he'd be a tight end. You know, 6'4", 241, that's a tight end right there. And the fact that he runs a 4'5", I mean, that's blazing tight end speed. So he, he, is, he is a perfect, in my opinion, a perfect tight end matchup type guy. Now, there's still coverage involved. It's not, you know, if you run 4'5", and, and that guy runs a 4'6", well, then he can't get away from you. We've seen that. Romeo Dobbs doesn't have a blazing 40 time, and he gets by everybody. So I'm not trying to imply that. There's still coverage technique and all that stuff that he has to do but but just looking at the basic metrics he's he's built to cover tight ends and because we have two of them now it's not like we have to you know we because Devondre is basically the same guy but if you have Devondre covering tight ends you are missing out on a ton of things but if we can keep Devondre doing exactly what he was doing and then when a tight end gets split out here goes Quay following the guy I think that puts us in a in a prime position now, not easy. I'm not saying we got it solved because that's it's a serious issue and the Packers have struggled with it. But I, I really think that was a big part of the solution. Because every year you look at like the one thing, we just couldn't stop this or we just couldn't stop that. And I, I think they put a big circle around uh, that Baltimore game and, and Mark Andrews just embarrassing us. And again, number one tight end in football. The guy was an absolute, he is an absolute freak, but you can't just have him running wild and there's just no solution. And so again, I don't think it's necessarily that Quay has to be man-to-man coverage on him, but I, I think w- he's going to bring certain things that are going to help us in regard to that. Just to take it off the plate of Darnell Savage, who had to man up against the guy pretty much every play, and it was ugly. So again, I can't give you the X and o- X's and O's on it, but I do think those two changes will make a big difference. Razul Douglas as a slot guy, Quay Walker as a second linebacker. 
Um, not going to play it because, again, trying to be selective. But JJ, you got another message. Scuba Steve says he absolutely is real. He has had a hatchet at the back of his head. The only thing he's ever lied about is the whole, like, seven-car warranty thing. Let's get to Garrett. Hey, Ryan. This is Garrett. So, hey, uh, the check is in the mail, so it should be getting any time now. Just kidding. I wouldn't send anything through the mail. It's a black hole. <laughs> uh, your PayPal should show that I sent you a payment. Pretty sure Garrett's a mailman. <laughs> to uh, ban Tom. Yep. I'm um, looking forward to finding out how far that $25 goes. Did you send me $25? Dang, hold up. I saw $5. I didn't see $25. Yeah, I don't think I got it, man. But uh, that's all right. I got I got two payments from Justin. <laughs> but I didn't get anything from you. I don't think. I don't see anything. I'll keep digging. Maybe uh, double check the PayPal you sent it to. Somebody got 25 bucks, and congrats to them. Anyway, sorry, continue. Uh, anyways, uh, happy birthday to Patrick Swayze. Um, I'm sure... That date is circled on Clayton's calendar. Uh, That's why we can't get a hold of him. He's over by the shrine. Anyways, I hear they're going to remake uh, the movie Ghost, and they're just going to recast Patrick oh. as himself. Oh, no. Um, and uh, oh. shout out to Joe. Hey, I worked at Sam's Club for five years, so I've got <laughs> some pool there, too. Um, I hear there's an opening in the rotisserie chicken section, So, and there's no screwing up back there, so I think you got it made. Anyways, have a great weekend, Ryan. Uh, good luck to the Packers tonight. Go back, go. And hope to hear some good news out of the receiving core this weekend. That was some dark humor, man. Yikes. Um, yeah, man, I think that would be a good job, the rotisserie section. I'm guessing they let you pick at some chicken, too. That's pretty dope. I mean, not like it while it's on the rotisserie, but, you know, maybe something didn't sell. I don't know. Lunchtime, they let you guys bring one back. I'm not sure I'm making all of this up, but it's it's worth looking into. All right, who else hasn't gotten in today? Caller number five. Let's see what accent he's got for us today. I'm I'm running. What? Let me see if we can guess. What hasn't he done yet? I don't think he's done anything Asian yet, right? We've gone through Europe. Uh, we have not heard Italian. I think he did French. So we got Italian, Chinese, or whatever. Although I, I don't know if I, I I couldn't tell the difference. You know, Japanese, Chinese. I think I I kind of know. I worked with a guy from the Philip. I think it was the Philip. See now, I know it was Korea. So I used to know what that sounded like, but I kind of forgot. Although I'm watching Lost, so and it actually sounds a lot like Chinese, so I don't think I would know the difference. But I just know like Chinese is very like like tip of the tongue type stuff. Then Japanese, you got the you know? Granted, you don't have to make that sound, but just that kind of, it's all from the chest. You understand like Dragon Ball Z and stuff, you know? I never watched it, but you know how they always like, they build up that power ball or whatever they're doing between their hands and then, pa. It's kind of how their language works. You know, it's a one big fireball. Um, Mexican, I guess. Could try Canadian. That would be kind of boring, but you could go with that. What, what else are we missing here? Jamaican. Jamaican me crazy. Let's see what he's got. Hi, this is caller number five. I just... <laughs> that was anticlimactic. I'm sorry. need to know what the hype is about for the Minnesota Vikings. Here we go. I can't, for the life of me, wrap my head around this hype. They're, everyone's picking Your them to win the division. Everyone's picking them to win week one. What? I just do not understand. Could you help put it into some sort of logical reasoning why people are doing this? Because 
right now, it makes no sense. Um, anyway, that's all I have. You have a good one. <laughs> Bye. You are doing Maxon, aren't you? And I'm not going to guess what it is because I'm not getting canceled today, sir. Caller number five, you jerk. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> so JJ called in saying maybe they're kind of sneaky good. And then caller number five is like, they suck. Why does everybody say they're good? How about we do this? And you know what's really exciting? That because I'm doing this podcast, I'm forgetting all about the Packer game. And it's like, oh, shoot, I got to hurry up because the game's on. And then it's like, wait, the game's on? Oh, dang, that's that's great. Let's look at like a head-to-head matchup here. Just just for fun. So they want to go more three wide receiver, which works because that means we have to have three corners, which is what we want to do anyways. It's a little sad that we're essentially swapping out a defensive tackle for a corner, but, you know, we'll get over it. Um, I, I Listen, I think it's going to be tough. I like Jair and Justin Jefferson. If anyone can slow the guy down, it's Jair, but it's still going to be tough, and he's not going to be following him all day long. Justin's going to be on Stokes, and Thielen's tough too, man. Thielen's wiggly. That dude, is he's, he's, put the, he's put the screws to Jair a couple times. Not for lack of trying on Jair's part either, but that's going to be tough. Here's the issue. Irv Smith, I think, is going to be kind of a sneaky weapon. I don't know that, but that's one of the things I'm looking at going, mm, I wonder. I think we are in a much better position to stop that as I've already gone through. And because Douglas is on Osborne, you're looking more at Walker or Campbell covering Smith, which again, I'm fine with that unless they want to use a safety, obviously. Or, you know, they're just in zone. It's not man-to-man. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Point is, we got the personnel. The biggest issue for this team is going to be... I, I love that I'm that I'm looking at this now. The biggest asset to any defense is, and as I've said before, if you can play the run and still cover the pass or play the pass and still cover the run, I'm looking at this going, if they pass right now, you've got Jefferson, Osborne, Irv Smith, Adam Thielen, and possibly Cook going out to run a route. We've got Savage, Amos, Alexander, Douglas, Stokes, Walker, and Campbell, unless one of those is blitzing, which would be fine with me. I love that coverage. If they're running, you look at it and go, well, they're, they're in nickels, so they're a little bit lighter. In the past, we would have maybe had a safety out there, which does make us a little bit lighter, which is a little bit scary. There's always been concerns about the defensive line and their ability to kind of stop these things or whatever. But if you're running the ball because you've kind of spread it out a little bit more, you've got your offensive line, you've got Irv Smith out there, and you've got Cook in the backfield. We've got Rashawn and Preston holding the edges. You've got Jaron Reed or Dean Lowry along with Kenny Clark. And then you've got Walker and Campbell and Adrian Amos, who is a seat-seeking missile, fantastic run defender. I'm not saying it's impossible to run against the Packers. I'm just saying they're built for this now. And, and, and you look at it and you can see why Walker is such a pivotal piece because he is the guy that makes the difference. He's the guy that when you look at this team, whether they're passing or running, Walker makes the difference. Otherwise, you look at it and say it's either Chris Barnes or a safety. And if they put Chris Barnes in there, well, I don't know if you like much of anything, but you certainly don't like your coverage options. If you put a safety in there, now you're worried about them running the ball. You're worried about the numbers because I don't know what he... Walker and Campbell make that that middle of the defense. If they go up, the front is scary. If they drop back, the coverage is scary. So I think right now, if they're passing the ball, this offensive line is in trouble. Kirk Cousins is in trouble. And he's going to have to get the ball out quickly. And he, occasionally, he's going to be able to do that. But again, Stokes, Douglas, Alexander, Campbell, Walker, Savage, Amos, I like our chances. And as much as they're going to try to take deep shots, and maybe they'll, they'll be able to land one or two of them, they better hurry. And again, if they run the ball, I, I just like—I don't think their front is going to be able to hold up. And that's going to be tough on an aerial passing attack to not have much time to operate. I don't think they're built to be a dink and dunk team like the Bears are. That's not what they want. On the flip side, I'm not entirely sure how much I'm scared of their defensive line. Again, 
Daniil Hunter is going to be going up against Elton Jenkins. Assuming he plays week one, I like our chances. Zadarius is going to be on the other side, which could be a problem. We'll see what Zadarius does. The guys on the inside, if we're looking at passing, I don't think they're very good pass rushers. I know there's some talk about our wide receivers, but we have enough guys here that somebody can win the matchup. And Aaron Rodgers is the guy that'll find out who. Robert Tunyon up against a linebacker. If not him, Sammy Watkins against Cam Dantzler. If not him, Randall Cobb against who the heck is this? Chandon Chandon Sullivan's on the other side. I like Chandon, but I think we win. He he was actually 93rd, I think. I've always liked Chandon, though. I forgot who it was. I think it was Sam Holman talking about how pivotal he was to the defense. I always always just liked him. I don't know. That is kind of funny that he's there, though. And if not him, Lazard against Peterson, or if they're putting in Andrew Booth, whatever, against a rookie. If not that, you got Aaron Jones out of the backfield, right? Somebody will find a way to get open. The biggest question will probably be running the ball, which I think could be difficult. I'm hopeful that Elton Jenkins, you know, can kind of continue what he does, which is being a really good run blocker, just a good football player overall. Josh Myers, so far, seems to be a really quality run blocker, at least. I know last year he was more of a pass blocker than a run blocker, but in the preseason, it seems like he's been working on it. It was pretty promising. He crushed people as a run blocker. But yeah, I think that may be somewhat of a problem moving forward, but I'm, I'm generally not super concerned about the Vikings. I mean, I'm always concerned about the Vikings because they're the Vikings, but it's not a, it's not even a question of who's the better team. It really isn't. I mean, if they had great corners, you'd be like, okay, what are they going to do? They can't run and their, their receivers can't really get open. Okay. They don't have good corners and they don't have good linebackers. The only hope the Vikings have is that they're able to pass the ball effectively because at the end of the day, they're going to have to find a way to put points on the board against this defense. They need Justin Jefferson to run wild. And I just think that's going to be hard to do. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said on the JJ call, there's a whole big range of, of what they are at their best compared to what they are at their worst, but I'm, I'm not super concerned. We got another call for JJ. I, I almost just wasn't going to play it, but again, I just I was just cracking up there. So anyways, JJ, here, here's your call, man. Hey, I just wanted to call in uh, for JJ with my Wookiee impression. He wanted everybody to call into this line and give their Wookiee Thanks, impression. Thanks, JJ. That's so great. Here it goes. Hey, I'm a I'm a Wookiee. I'm I'm part of the Star Wars universe. I've never seen Star Wars. <laughs> the I've never seen Star Wars part. Oh, that killed me, and I can relate to it. Although I have seen it, unfortunately, it's te- it's it's kind of terrible. I know I'm going to get crushed and crucified for that. It's the same thing every time. Every movie is like the same movie, at least the first, I don't know, five. It's so dumb. Just all culminates to like, oh, there's a big ship in the sky, and we got to defeat it. Man, we made it blow up. Cool. We win. Next time, same thing. Big ship in the sky causing problems. Got to blow it up. Okay, blow it up. <laughs> oh. And so I, I made it to a certain point, and then I asked for recommendations, like, should I continue? And pretty much every, even the Star Wars people were like, no, don't, don't. It's not, it just gets worse. Like, the Star Wars movies are bad. So I have not seen the newer ones, and I won't. And I'm kind of mad that I actually watched the first couple. I mean, it's one of those things you feel like you have to do, because you can't go through life being like, I have never seen Star Wars, but it was a painful thing. Anyways, um, I think we got through all the first-timers. Uh, see if we can do some speed rounds with some of these other calls here. Hey, Ryan, Justin. When I was um, fishing around your Patreon site, to figure out how to donate money to the Tom Austin Fund. I noticed your little bio thing said that in your college days, people called you GK. Yep. So maybe it's been discussed. I don't know. Not since I've been listening, but I'd like to take a stab at what GK stands for. I think it stands for Genghis Khan. Yep. And I think that dates back to your risk days when you were playing risk, maybe as a kid or maybe college. I don't know. Anyway, just a guess. Hopefully you can set it straight. Thanks. 
Yeah, crushed it. I was Genghis Khan when I played Risk when I was in college. So well done. Let's see how Tom's doing. All right, I'm going to call it two more times. And then after that, I'm going to go on a short hiatus. Bye. Okay. Um, well, I, I guess I won't play any more from Tom because people are literally paying to not hear from Tom, although I feel bad about it. Can save your money. Don't don't you don't have to give me that twenty five dollars. I don't think Tom's calling anymore. You've officially bullied him off the pro the program. Congratulations, everyone. I don't know if we got to Goose yet today. What's going on with Goose? Snickers been trying to reach you. Guy. I'm actually Goose, that scared me. I didn't know what was going on, but that was actually that's pretty good, man. That was that was solid. Goose here. Just hey. calling to <laughs> hey, Goose. hear what your favorite ritual is. Considering it's game day, trying to get excited for preseason. Yep. Looking forward to seeing Love again, and hopefully he plays closer to what he did in the last day of practice than the last preseason game. I also want to hear who you're most excited to watch. So... It's a great question. Go pack, go. It's a great question because I, I I haven't thought about it and I really want to think about it. Let me jump on the Twitters real quick and see if there's been any updates about who's playing and who's not because we're kind of getting to that point. Anyways, I threw the bait out there. We'll see if anyone answers. Uh, game day rituals, I really don't have any. Kind of just get excited and sit down and turn the TV on and that's about it. Who am I excited for today? Well, I would love to be able to say Devontae Wyatt. I have a Sneaking suspicion and a hunch that he is not playing. Sean's let me know Rodgers is out, so that's that's huge. Um, Watson would be another one that's probably not playing, but I'd love to see. I I, I want to say love because I, it is exciting to me, but also again, it doesn't super matter. I mean, I, I want him to be good, but ultimately, what we want to see is guys that are going to help us this year. So you're looking at the offensive line: John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman. You want to see. Romeo Dobbs, you want to see Josiah DeGuara, guys that are going to play this year. Uh, TJ Slayton. If I got to pick a guy, just running them through my head to see which one gets the uh, the adrenaline, the biggest adrenaline spike. I think it's Dobbs, man. Like I, I can't get there intellectually, but whenever I think about Romeo Dobbs, like I, I get I get excited, I get jacked up. So that's the guy. That's the guy I'm most excited about. Anyways, um, there's a few I didn't get to. I may save those for tomorrow. There's only three or four of them. Um, but I do need to get prepared for this here live stream at 6 o'clock and uh, probably want to get started at about 6.30. So you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.